Hey, history lovers. I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, the show about the past rediscovered. Let's begin with an image. Harry Truman, the 33rd president of the United States, in his pajamas. Truman is aboard a train on a cross-country whistle-stop tour. It's 1948. It's the middle of the night. Rolling into Missoula, Montana, Truman hears college students hollering along the tracks. He puts on a robe and greets them. Suddenly, one shouts out, Mr. President, what do you say about civil rights? Truman tells the crowd he'll make civil rights part of his re-election campaign. Headlines the next day read, Pajama-clad president defends civil rights at midnight. This was a big deal. And so was the reporter who broke that story in Negro newspapers around the country, Alice Dunnigan. Dunnigan was the only female reporter on the train. She was also the only black reporter on the train. And though she worked for a prominent wire service, the Associated Negro Press, her boss told her, women don't go on trips like this. So Alice Dunnigan was also the only reporter who paid her own way. This was but one of the many challenges Dunnigan faced on her path to becoming an iconic but mostly forgotten journalist of her time. She was so poorly paid that she shoveled coal into a furnace to get a break on her rent. Sometimes she pawned her watch for grocery money, a humiliating practice, as she wrote in her 1974 autobiography, A Black Woman's Experience, from Schoolhouse to White House. Over and over, Dunnigan was told that she couldn't do this or that because of the color of her skin. And yet, over and over, she did. Dunnigan was born in 1906 in Russellville, Kentucky. When she was two, four black men were lynched in town. The terror of the lynching hung over Russellville for decades. Historian Michael Morrow told the Post that the community put a lot of fight in Alice. He said she understood young enough that she would have to chart her own course. Dunnigan began her journalism career in high school, writing for the school newspaper. When she moved to Washington, she wasn't greeted warmly. There were events she wasn't allowed to cover, places she couldn't go. Still, Morrow said she knew she was fighting battles for her entire race. In 1947, Dunnigan became the Washington Bureau Chief for the Associated Negro Press, a job she held for 14 years. Dunnigan was the first black woman credentialed to cover the White House and Congress and the State Department and the Supreme Court. Dunnigan found delight in holding the powerful accountable, like Truman. That night in his pajamas, he seemed to endorse the idea of civil rights. But in the lead-up to his subsequent inauguration, Truman refused to issue an order banning segregation in Washington so that African Americans could attend the ceremonies without being barred from hotels and restaurants. Dunnigan repeatedly challenged him about his failure to live up to his words. Truman wouldn't back down. And neither would she, no matter 
who was president. Dwight D. Eisenhower, he actually stopped calling on Dunnigan during news conferences for two years because of her civil rights questions. She would jump up and down yelling, Mr. President, Mr. President, to get Eisenhower's attention. Though he ignored her, Dunnigan never stopped going to his news conferences, and she never stopped trying to hold leaders accountable on questions of civil rights. This fall, the museum in Washington debuted a six-foot-tall bronze statue of Dunnigan. She's holding a 1947 copy of the Washington Post with headlines about civil rights. Her dress is modest. Her pumps are scuffed. The mark of a reporter who hustled. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Leslie Gutman for reporting the story for the Washington Post. And for more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod. <laughs>